Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. To that end we have three central rungs to our writing manifesto. One to help you write more, two to help you write better and three to help you be a little bit happier while you do those things. So, look, I've been away for a little bit of a while uh, working on my uh, new book. Uh, I'm I'm back. The book isn't yet finished not even the first draft is finished but I wanted to um, put something up because I miss you and uh, I had a little chat with the uh, comedian uh, Trevor Locke. Trevor is a uh, stand-up performer he's been doing some stand-up even uh, in the little bits that people have been able to squeeze out uh, during these uh, straightened times Um, but um, I first I did some gigs with Trevor years and years ago um, I was on the same bill as him uh, when I was sort of doing performance poetry and occasionally in, in the world of uh, cabaret uh, <laughs> and variety. Uh, you know, I was privileged enough to um, be on stages with both stand-ups and um, strippers. And that was uh, very, uh, what I say, stripper sounds like I'm being, um, it sounds like it's a pejorative term. It's not. Um, but I think actually probably they would prefer the term, uh, they were burlesque performers. Um uh, who, who who took their clothes off and, and they were very good at it as well. Um, Trevor wasn't one of those people. He was just very funny. Um, and I did some performances with him and found him very funny. And then when I did my first uh, solo show at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2010, he um, I asked him to help me work on it a little bit. And he did. And he I really, really enjoyed working with him. And uh, yeah, so I asked him to uh, talk with me on the show. Uh, had the pleasure of seeing him in, in years since performing he always sort of makes me laugh in a way that um in a way that uh, I just like one, one of those performers that makes you sort of laugh while um uh I don't know I want to say sort of slightly hating myself not because um just because it makes I feel so um, helpless with silly, giggly laughter when I, uh, I've seen him perform. It make, makes me so sort of um, unable to control myself in terms of just really sniggering and then laughing and chortling, often at very silly things. Um, it's it, it simultaneously, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm well up for laughing at sort of like a, 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 a sophisticated, a mordant piece of satire, but... Um, it, He's just really good at very um, wonderful, surreal and um, silly jokes and uh, often things that aren't even really jokes at all. And, and so I wanted to talk about humour because I, and I talk about this with Trevor and I don't want to do too much of a long intro because I just would like to get you to the conversation. But a couple of you have written in and, and, and said completely legitimately... Especially when I, I, I've um, done my two courses, the um, 100 Day Writing challenge and the couch to 80k writing uh boot camp that occasionally i've sort of set challenges and then said oh can you write for 10 minutes or whatever and, and then i've said just try not to make the whole thing like a joke try not to do it as a parody and, and a couple of people wrote to me and said like are you i you know i write comedy novels or i write funny short stories and i feel a bit like you're sort of saying comedy is a lesser art form than uh, quote unquote serious literature and I don't think that at all. But obviously, I've 
not done a very good job of communicating if people were able to come away from what I was saying with that impression. Like my background is in stand-up poetry, right? Like I gave 10 years of my life and I hope, you know, I still want to be funny a lot of the time to being funny on stage in front of people. Like if I wasn't funny, I had, by my own criteria, failed. Um, I really love humour and comedy and haven't really covered it at all on the show or in only a piecemeal way. So I just wanted to get Trevor on um, to talk about his own experiences of trying to be funny. And, and we just kind of like just had a very, you know, a, 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 a very nice low-key chat about um, being funny and the theories of humour. We talked a bit about our memories of school and growing up and it was just nice. And Trevor... Um, runs some comedy workshops as well um he's been doing that sort of that throughout lockdown and since doing stuff online and uh i'll put links in the show notes um but you know you can get in touch and do some do some workshopping of material and comedy with him that's something that he 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 does uh, uh and i've done that with trevor myself and i found it a really 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 useful and uh, rewarding experience i really like getting guests on who can talk about something that i don't necessarily feel i don't want to say un- i don't feel comfortable talking about but i don't feel qualified to talk about and there are things i'm not going to hide my uh lantern under a bushel right like um I, there are things I feel completely qualified to talk on with the understanding that I'm just one person, but I can make my contribution and here's me talking about sentence composition and here's me talking about some ideas about plot and, and I, I don't expect me to be the only uh, authority you ever listen to, but I can talk about those. I, I have spent time working on those things, right? I feel I've written a couple of books. I you know I feel like I'm okay to, to, to uh, contribute my two pennies worth humor although it's something uh, i've done a lot on stage i'm just sort of i just i just felt like i needed somebody to bounce some stuff off and i really enjoyed talking to trevor as a kind of start of that conversation so i really hope you enjoy uh listening to our talk um hopefully from now on i'm going to be releasing episodes a bit more regularly so please do try and subscribe to the podcast on whatever i'm not doing that kind of youtuber like subscribe thing except to say probably in case my sort of output is um a little bit irregular uh subscribing on soundcloud or subscribing via kind of like apple or stitcher or whatever um a way that you get podcasts delivered to your phone or whatever i use um an app called podcast addict which i've found really useful lately for just getting my podcasts um and making sure i don't miss any of shows that i enjoy um you, but doing that will mean that you'll just you won't miss any um i'm going to try and do i do, you know what i'd love actually if you want to submit your first pages your first 250 words of any fiction you're working on i'd love to do a couple of those would love to have some more chats with authors would love to um just have a little bit of a writing the ramble you know those episodes where i just talk about my what's on my mind and um yeah loads and loads to do i hope you're well um <laughs> yeah i know it's um it's really odd funny times and you know my mood has been up and down and which is another reason why i sort of wanted to hold back from recording a little bit because i didn't want to just do another episode um that uh, one of the, the the expanding genre of episodes that could be called tim clare is anxious and depressed right like i i i'm not 
ashamed of that. Well, I am a little bit sometimes, but that's uh, I don't think I should be. But um, I, just, I just I just wanted to give you some content <laughs> other than a uh, a crying middle aged man, and uh, that's what today's episode can definitely offer you. This is uh, me chatting to the comedian Trevor Locke. I sincerely hope you enjoy it. The first thing I wanted to ask you, and thanks so much for um, talking with me, is can you when's the first can you remember like an early time or one of the first times you tried to be funny yeah i can yeah yeah um i um uh, did you remember what did you watch play away when you were a kid um that was that was brian kant kant wasn't it? Yeah. yes yeah yeah so i can remember watching him and liking him and then he did a thing where he got a piece of newspaper and he tore the newspaper, and, and, and I, I, this is—I haven't remembered this memory for a long time. This is—that's unusual, isn't it? Because normally you remember memories that you're always remembering. But at, at the last time I remembered this memory was uh, maybe—I would say several decades ago. I don't know why it's just popped in now. Because normally I would go to a different memory to answer this question. I'd go to the Alison Taylor uh, rainy lunchtime memory, but for some reason. I've gone to the Brian Kent memory, which I haven't remembered for decades. Um, so he did a thing where he tore a piece of newspaper, and as he said it, he said the phrase, and you tear down the A5. The A5 is a famous road. It's you know, it's a straight road through from London to the north that the Romans built, but we call it the A5. And I thought that was really funny that he used the word tear to tear a newspaper and tear as if driving down a road really fast and uh, and then I don't know a few weeks later I found myself at my uh, my great aunt's house on holiday in Devon on Dartmoor and she had some old newspapers because you know people did that in the olden days didn't they? they collected newspapers they saved them for children to play with and uh, and in front of my family and my maiden Great aunts, I, I did the Brian Kant bit about tearing down the A5 with a newspaper, um, and they all laughed, and it was it was it was like it was a magical, thrilling moment because I laughed when I saw Brian Kant do it on the television, and then I was doing what Brian Kant was doing in real life, and then everyone laughed at me. It was it was it was an astonishing moment. Um, so I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been. I, can, I think my sister was around then, so I must have been at least uh, five or six. Oh wow! I I think like a lot of people's. Uh, I, I I don't. I think a lot of people's early experience of doing, of re- repeating something that they saw on on TV, like I think that can always go one of, one of yeah. one of two ways. I remember. I remember. I think I did a. Monty Python bit to my to in front of my parents when I was little and I think I can't remember exactly which one it was but it was in some way offensive it was it was like one that has not really (laughs) survived the test of time and looks pretty bad I think it was off one of their albums as well it wasn't and Uh, and and couldn't understand why it was either incredibly lewd or a or like a bit a bit racist in a way that I didn't understand as a child yeah, but I, I remember yeah, yeah. the look of slight why especially without the context <laughs> like of, of, of why it was a yeah. joke I was just being <laughs> just I can remember doing that myself once I can remember uh, 
we were on a yeah so I could this is a story about saying something repeating something that you've heard someone else say that got a massive laugh and repeating it just because it got a massive laugh but having no idea why it was funny so I was um, um, on a train um, from London Euston to Northampton in 1985 and uh, we got chatting me and my dad and my cousin we got chatting with another bloke in the, in the four seats that face each other um, who worked on the trains and he was uh, you know a, a guy who works on the trains but he had lots of funny stories to tell about working on the trains and I didn't really understand them because I was I think I was 11 and, uh, and my dad was laughing away and so was my cousin who was a little bit older than me so I had I had to sort of pretend to laugh because I felt like if I didn't laugh then you know that meant that I was young and didn't understand stuff and he was making jokes one of the things he did he was making jokes about what they call trains because train you know the engines all have names and how they decide what to call these you know because after a while you're going to run out of names and you have to you know it's difficult to come up with names and he said that they started calling uh the trains after fish there was a, they got they, they got onto fish um so there was a there was a herring and uh i don't know a bass and he said there wasn't a pollock though <laughs> Um, and my dad laughed and my cousin laughed <laughs> and and I had no idea why that was funny um, so I laughed and then uh, we got home in time for tea and uh, my aunt has come to my aunt and my, my other cousin have come to pick up uh, my cousin from our house so we've got a big family tea and then I think well this is my moment <laughs> so I start telling the best of um, the railman's <laughs> gags from earlier that afternoon. Um, of, of course, not knowing what, you know, but this is the one, I know this is the big one. I know this is going to get the biggest <laughs> laugh. And I said, yeah. And so they're, they're naming some of the trains uh, after fish. Can you believe that? You know, they've got bass, they've got herring. I mean, that makes sense. But they, you know, they haven't called, they haven't named anyone uh, Pollock. <laughs> and my dad just turns at me and says, right, that's enough. And, every, and 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 the atmosphere goes cold, and my mother's shocked, my aunt is shocked, and I have no idea what what happened. I just know that I don't know what Pollock means, and and and, and I and I tell you what, I didn't work it out for years, for years. It was in I was in, in, in my thirties before I understood what went on there. You, the, the, but again. Like the incredible, but there's even in those negative situations, there's the bit has an incredible power, right? You don't mm. know why the entire room has has just suddenly turned into a, a sort of community theatre restaging of Rebecca. <laughs> well, I remember feeling shame. I remember feeling utter shame, and it and it was a huge moment. And I and I can remember it haunted me for years, because I I felt like I I'd, I'd, I'd exposed myself and and done something shameful in public in front of my parents, but also in front of my cousins and my aunt. I, I felt I'd let the family down, but I didn't know why, you know. So I didn't know how bad a a, a thing it was, and uh, I, I could never ask. My father, I could never ask my mother. Oh, you know when I said uh, 
um, that story about the Pollock. <laughs> why? Why was everybody so shocked? You know, uh, that, that, um, I, I don't. I, I didn't have that in me. I couldn't because I, I didn't know what I'd done. I, but it felt so bad uh, and so utterly shameful. That's it's incre- that's um, incredible. And and but it, it, it but it, the way you sort of describe those two stories as well, it does sound a little bit like the kind of like classic um stories of like the kind of like uh the sorcerer's apprentice or stuff learning magic and early on they kind Mm -hmm. of dabble with power beyond their ability (laughs) and there's a near miss you know someone is nearly badly injured and and there's shame and it's like our family are not magicians we don't meddle in this power but this sense bubbling away that there's something here that has the power to captivate a room and attract delight but if misused brings shame and opprobrium uh so what can you i was wondering if you could this is always the sort of bit but like what when was was there ever a point where you thought this is like not just a thing that i can uh, uh, gamble with for um attention or um shame but like that i could actually quote unquote do I'm not sure I've ever got there um, <laughs> um, um, well yes I mean so, so at school really I guess I, 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 I uh, that's where I you know I was a, a disruptive presence in class and um, and so I treated sort of uh, the classroom and every lesson as a sort of gig I supposed uh, looking back on it I mean I wasn't. I don't think I was aware there was such a thing as uh, being funny for a living. I don't. Know, I suppose that you know. I watched. Yeah, you watch TV, but I never thought I could. I don't know. I don't know. I just saw that I could do this thing, and I hoped that one day it could be my living. And I suppose I thought I was going to have to be, you know, who were they? Lenny Henry, Ronnie Barker, who were the comedians in the eighties? Who did I like? Um, um, I I feel uh, uh, Jimmy Cricket. I don't remember him. I, I, um, I mean, Brian Laurie when I was a little bit older. Yeah, but the ones I loved. Yeah, well, you know, Brian Kent. I thought he was funny when I was six. Um, so I don't know. I, I I wanted to be. I thought I didn't. So I, I thought this thing that I could do wasn't. I thought it was acting. I didn't. So I didn't. I didn't really have the idea that you could be a comedian. I thought I was going to have to be an actor. Um, so that was the, so when I when I was at school because uh, that's what I thought I, w- I wanted to be for a while um, because um, uh, I it wasn't wasn't really clear to me that you could there were so few comedians on telly um, a lot of the, there were loads of actors everywhere you know? a lot of the authors I speak a lot of the writers I speak to have like some figure uh, growing up uh, who is I suppose could be variously described as a kind of mentor figure or a kind of permission figure like somebody that they meet or encounter who basically says to them in some some way or another this is a this is a thing this is like they're either someone doing it or someone who sort of spots it in them and encourages it and I'm wondering if as you were growing up there was anyone who who was like yeah you you're on the right path or this is something you should do or who did it themselves that you thought yeah wow oh people do do this 
Um, yeah, I, I, well, I, I suppose that didn't happen until I went to university, really. I, I was, I was, I, I led a very uh, sheltered life and a very, I was very, uh, quite slow. It's quite a slow developer. Um, so, yeah, when, when I, by the time I got to university, I think you know it was probably only in, in my third year at university I realised there was a, there was a, this thing called stand-up comedy that people are doing a lot of all over the country. Um, um, but at school, it was just other boys in the years above me, other naughty boys, other weird kids, sort of encouraged me. I'd, I'd you know I'd see somebody you know do a funny walk or say something silly or funny and and that would that would inspire me just to be you know i don't i don't i think you know i, I didn't even have the the basic self-awareness that i would need to you know the, the idea that that i would have to uh, leave school <laughs> and become an adult and go to work yeah that dawned on me so late um i was just i just you know, I found the whole thing of being alive so so weird and mysterious and odd, and so I, when anyone was sort of making a joke out of it, whatever it was, whatever the th the life was at that moment, that was inspiring to me. And and the idea of you know professions and things, I don't know. I I think I, yeah, I just thought well, people told me oh, you'll probably be an actor, um, and. Um, and then, you know, at, at university, I wasn't very good at philosophy, uh, so I did some acting. And then I found out that there was comedy happening. I, I don't school know. is like I've that your experience yeah. of school sounds quite a lot like mine in that like I was really disruptive and quite naughty. And probably like looking back, I, I feel I, f I feel bad for teachers who had me in their class who were only trying to do their job after all. But like there was something so absurd between the my experience of being in school and some teachers who seemed to take it <laughs> looking back also really really seriously <laughs> like who really um really lot like would were really kind of like thunderingly kind of like austere and um serious. Yeah. and those kind of like that dynamic between i i, I you know i I remember I remember teachers getting really angry at people making jokes in class and that only making me and a lot of us actually yeah. more giggly like yes and I and I, I worry that the school isn't like that anymore you know I, I don't go to school anymore I go to pick up my niece from her primary school sometimes and and sometimes I do you know gigs in schools after hours and the and the things I see is stuck to the walls of the school it makes me doubt that schools are like that anymore and I think part of the fun uh, of going to school in the 80s was that teachers took it incredibly seriously there was this tension that it, it was it was taken far too seriously and 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 that made the stakes that much higher and uh, and that it made it in a way the game it's a game going to school is a game and it was a much more you know the more serious you you, you you take a game the more fun it is and uh, and i wonder now if you know i know some teachers and they don't they don't seem to take their job as seriously as uh, my teachers did yeah like i've definitely like I've, when i've got into schools teachers are often really cool uh the teacher the, the pupils um have a good rapport with them there, you know. Right, my niece. My niece said she loved her teacher. When I picked up my niece at the end of 
term uh, just you know a couple of months ago what was it in july they they, they and and she said i i love mrs smith and 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 she and she had to run back and give her a hug before she finally left on the last day of term and i i, I couldn't believe it you know i could not believe it at, at that age i was terrified of my teacher <laughs> um can you i was yeah I, I I really and and like the weird thing is my dad was my dad was a teacher so like teachers weren't some like crazy sort okay, of okay uh, that's my cool. my dad was a teacher so I, it wasn't like teachers were some unknown species to me I knew that they were people yeah. who went home and had families and stuff but see I didn't know that no 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 um but I but I still but I still completely separated them in my head and I think also I think maybe Trevor I wonder whether it was because we were a bit disruptive and stuff that does set up a kind of um it's it's it sets up a dynamic <laughs> where where, no. where the teacher <laughs> no i mean no, maybe that's got something to do but no but it in the 80s the kids the, the, the teachers were like they were like you know um prison staff prison warders you know they, they were they were, they were like the, the 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 baddies in a in a in a military prison um uh, you know, I, I just it was it was shocking and thrilling when one was nice to you or made a joke or or sort of smiled at you outside of the lesson. You know, that was like, wow, that was really an amazing thing. Um, you basically got for, you've got you've me, gotten in with the that's like that's like you've 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 slipped the screws a couple of cigarettes and there you're going to get like right. first in the lunch queue. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a taboo thing. There was some kind of crossover, you know. You've got a you've got a bent teacher who's talking to the pupils, <laughs> friendly to the pupils, you know. I mean, um, yeah, my 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 dad talks about when he started in teaching that he would just go into the staff room. Everyone like that. That was, in fact, now you're reminding me what my dad told me what it was like when he started in teaching. Where he went into the staff room, everyone's smoking. He kind of sits down. They're all just slagging off the kids saying how crap they are there's like a knock at the door it's one of the pupils um like peering around the door to ask a teacher a question and one of the staff just just yells at them piss off and he closed the door and everyone in all the teachers laugh uh, and and that was the kind Brilliant. of attitude right like the, the yeah. like the kids were yeah. just a, a kind of inconvenience yeah, yeah, and, the, the, and for me there was a lot of fear. You, you, you the kids, um, me and my friends and everyone at the school, we feared the teachers. Um, we were we were we were frightened of them, and um, and I think ultimately that's what made it more fun. Um, but there was a you know real tummy churning, you know, bottom wincing fear about going to school and about and about encounters with certain teachers and and not without um, reason actually there was there was still the threat of of violence from cricket bats and cane i was punched by a teacher uh, and uh, you know so, so there was a, there was a sort of physical undercurrent um, as well as just just somehow seriousness 
uh, breeds fear. You know, there's just, you, you're not really sure what you're frightened of, but you just look around and you see, well, everybody's taking this very seriously. Everybody's nervous. No one's relaxed, and it and it sort of builds this tension. Um, can we t- can we and, talk about uh, the interplay between tension and co- that seems like a really nice way well, into the right. basis well, that's, of that's comedy, right? Is right is rising tension. Exactly. So that's the thing you see. So in in that atmosphere, in that in those classrooms of the of the eighties and nineties, tension, fear, the the, the 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 difference between you know the, the stern teacher, the the, the hierarchy. It's very then that tension is so taut as tension would be. You can you with the right word, the right look, it 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 snaps, it pings, and there's all that energy. There's all that energy ready to be released. And if you've got a happy, relaxed classroom where people are getting on with each other, where they consider the teacher as somebody that they can talk to and. They don't. They're not going to be ridiculed if they make a mistake. Where, where's the tension, Tim? Where's the possibility for a zinger in that environment? You'd have to say something genuinely amusing. Um, whereas, um, you know, uh, in in the in the sort of military, stern, uh, penitentiary, penitentiary sort of sort of, you know, it feels like you're just you're, you, your school is a punishment to begin with. You know, and all it, re- all it really takes naughty. is like um, the sole of a shoe to scuff the kind of lino in a, in a way that sounds a bit like a fart. And, and, and people, are, people are dying with laughter because there's so much tension built up, right? That, um, yeah. that, that, that it's yeah. like it's un- and, and, you do- and you don't want to be seen. So like you're covering your face, you're crying, you're crying. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm back there now. Yeah. I can feel that. <laughs> that that kind of like febrile at- atmosphere. Yeah, oh, it it was great. I mean, it was. I mean, it it it, it was absolutely intoxicating, um, because you know, you, 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 it was a win win situation because you you would either somebody would either say something funny and and you'd giggle, um, but no one else would know what had happened, and so you'd be in on it, or everybody would get it and the whole class would explode. Or nobody would say anything funny. Well, it just meant there's even more tension for the next part of the day. It, it just it, it, it just builds and builds. Um, I was wondering if you, and, I was wondering uh, if you could um, maybe go into your um, when you started um, being on stage uh, uh, doing comedy. Um, how that kind of notion of how 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 when you're uh, speak you know we can talk about how some other people do it in a bit but i was just wondering how you approached that problem i don't know how conscious you were of that as a framework of of generating and then popping tension no well i had no 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 idea what i was doing i had no theory i had no i didn't really know i mean i was very i'm a very slow learner i I'm very naive, so I'm happy, or I, I will put myself in into a situation that I'm not prepared for. Um, um, so that was the case when I started comedy. I I was doing things that I wasn't prepared for on many levels, um, 
I hadn't been to see comedy live, so I didn't, I hadn't got any experience of being in a room, of being in an audience. Um, I had, you know, so I hadn't thought about it. I didn't have the, the, the physical muscle memory of being in those rooms. Um, so for me, it, 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 it was just a, an absolute overwhelming buzz and thrill of newness and, and you know, the, all the experiences that you might have in front of a group of strangers, all the jeopardy of saying something that you shouldn't say, uh, the, the hopes of saying something that they'll like, all those things, but having no clue how to handle it. So, you know, if, if I got a laugh, I couldn't explain why. You know, the best I could say is I said something funny, <laughs> presumably, um, but I would, you know, I wouldn't know why it was funny. Um, uh, yeah, so so I would get laughs and have no idea why, and then I would try to get deliberately try to get laughs with with what I something I thought was funny and have no idea um, why nobody laughed. So it was just, it's it's like. Uh, you know, sometimes when you go to the old-fashioned arcades and before you put the money in, you can do the steering, hold the steering wheel and it looks like you're driving sometimes. And, you, and then and then you realise, oh no, you're not driving. Do you know those yeah. things? You know, before you... Yeah. So it was a little bit like that. Sometimes they would laugh and, and, and it would be like, oh God, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And then I'd do a, a joke, and they wouldn't laugh, and then I'd be like, "Oh no, I'm not. I've got no idea what I'm doing." Can you have, can you think of any and, bi any bits or like little tags or stuff that you would say that would get to laugh that you at no point knew why they were? Because I'm I'm thinking about stuff I've said on stage, and there's bits that sort of by a kind of um, survival of the fittest ended up. The audience sort of reinforces you to keep putting this particular pause in or something that you said as an aside, they laugh and it, it, it remains in the set and it becomes a stock part of it. And and then you look back and you go, I don't I don't know why I'm saying this or why this is funny. Yeah. But people yeah, always yeah. seem to react to if I put this if I make this pause here or even this gesture here, people seem to be can you was there ever anything where you were like you had no idea why you were saying something but it seems to work? Oh yeah, frequent, frequently. I can't remember, I can't think of anything off the top of my head because I, when I, particularly when I started, I was very, I didn't really have the idea of of, of, of honing jokes, if you like, and, and, and working out a set. So, um, um, so, uh, but yes, I know what you're talking about. You, 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 and what I would experiment with is, I, I think it was rhythm, really, and energy. So, so, my jokes weren't very good but I could sometimes get into a rhythm with my speech and some some kind of sort of groove with the way I spoke and the way I moved that's how it felt like and it felt like I was generating laughs out of out of out of cadence and rhythm rather than from saying any anything actually funny well, I, I remember um, I remember someone disco <laughs> I remember before I had sort of seen you uh, perform I remember someone telling me they were there it was like it was like a kind of legend passed down um but like that whispers came to me and it was like trevor Locke is the master of the garden path sentence was was that was that was that was what I, and I, I didn't really know what that meant at the time but they were like oh this is like if you want to see someone who's like 
perfected this particular aspect of stand-up comedy, then that's what that's what Trevor Locke is is doing. Okay, well that's interesting because I've never heard that, <laughs> and I now I can I can I, I can I can understand what that person means. And this is an interesting example that I had no, I had no. I know what they mean now, uh, and I can imagine the sort of jokes that they're referring to. But at the time, that was entirely unconscious. That was completely by accident. I had no idea that I was. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could, I, for, I could set that as a the audio- as a task in a, in a workshop. Write a garden path um, bit. Can we? Can, and, can, for uh, the audiences, um, uh, just I don't want to leave people too far behind. Um, would you be able to sort of define? what a garden path sentence is in 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 this sort of context well i used to do well i used to say i mean i didn't used to say i used to i, I used to recite and when, when, you know when i was when i say recite i wouldn't have written anything down i would have written something down. i would have written the the directions to the to the gig down or or, or at least memorized them but i wouldn't have memorized any uh any jokes or oh, I would have I would have done I would of course I would have memorised jokes but I would have said them in, in a different order or the right order I mean I would have, wouldn't, wouldn't have put the punchline first um, sometimes I would have but it would have, the, the laugh would have come too early and then no one would be knowing what they were laughing about but that was always the case anyway but I didn't mind if they knew whether I was they were laughing at the right thing or the wrong thing all I wanted them is wanted them to, well that's not the only thing I wanted I wanted them to be well healthy but I wasn't a doctor um, I mean I've been to the doctor I know what a doctor does but I didn't think it was my place to do a health check at the gig. But that doesn't doesn't mean I'm not interested in the well-being of my audience. I am, but my primary job um, was 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 comedian, um, and you know, I'm not even my primary job, my only job, to be honest. Um, and I'm not being honest. I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm telling a lot of lies. But um, you know I think that's allowed. You know no one's given me any rules. No one said you must tell the truth and don't do any lies. And no, I mean, no one said anything. I mean, all they said was, come here for half past eight, you'll be on stage at about half past nine, just do 20 minutes. And I think I've yeah, probably done 10 minutes now already. And, and if you think about it, I haven't started. Um, so, uh, yeah, something like that, probably. So it's, it's like, it's set, setting, setting up some expectations. And then we, um, like, I think it was one of the first sort of drama games I ever got shown was, was I Don't Believe You which is like somebody starts telling a mundane story about something they've literally something true that they they did yesterday at any point the kind of person they're partnered with can say I don't believe you and they have to sort of admit that the last thing that they said was made up and replace it with what it is but I it's just Mm. (laughs) it's just such a it's such a rich structure for um originality when you're I I don't don't mean to sort of dissect a frog too much here but like in that it's constantly forcing you into the unexpected when um when taking the audience with you on that journey yeah yeah and and uh, it it is you know it's 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 fun to do it's it's scary to do because you because you you know you don't know where you're going um, but that's fun, um, uh, and it's fun for the audience because they sometimes realise, oh, he doesn't know where he's going either. Um, and also, I think it's a little bit, you know, I think you can, I don't know, you can get a, you can get, so it, it gets more laughs than if it was written down. Do you see what I mean? Um, so um, if if I had written that and learnt it, um, you say, oh, this isn't that very good. But when, but if you but somehow um, when it's spontaneous it's funnier than it actually is if you know what I mean well I mean that's um, it that's you know Im- Im- improv is is not um, 
improv scenes are not wouldn't be good if you came to someone yeah. and said I've written this sketch. Yeah, right, exactly. It doesn't it doesn't have any ending. Um someone just says yeah. someone just rings a bell. That's how we end the sketch. Yeah. Um but yeah. um but but when you're watching it it's like watching a it's like watching a a, t- a tennis match or a, a fencing match or something, you know, like it's it's yeah. actually funny when people get into a fix. That's exciting. Yeah. You you, you yeah, giggle exactly. like you go, "Wow, this is great." Um, yeah. can you, would you be yeah. able to I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, uh, what, can we just like what? Can, I'm just going to like rush the machine gun nest and ask what, 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 what do you think have you got like a theory of funny or like what is funny why are things funny well I I, I mean I, I think uh it's, it's, it's something to do with surprise, isn't it? You know, it's a sort of nice surprise. It's, it's when you get, um, when the, I think it's something to do with the brain or the you uh, receives two um, contradictory messages at the same time. Um, and, 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 it, and, and you sort of, it, it, it's like, it's difficult to hold two contradictory ideas at the same time. Um, it, 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 it's it's raining, but the sun is out. Or uh, I'm I'm feeling um, extremely cold. I'm so hot. Uh, you, you can't take binary opposites and hold them together. And that sort of, that that sort of um, glitch creates the energy for a laugh. I think I think people laugh uh, when something that kind of doesn't make sense happens so like a surprise so uh, so that's a joke isn't it a joke a joke is I mean even that silly thing I did the garden path thing just then I'm just constantly um, switching I'm constantly changing direction that's basically it just surprising myself with what I meant and that and 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 that's kind of a joke how what Um, what do people mean then when um like the thing I hear a lot is that comedy is is all is all about truth. But like if I go on stage and go, well, just uh, had a glass of orange juice before I came on, and um, I uh, my name's Tim. Like those things are true, uh, I, un- unless I mean. Look, my my delivery can be good enough to sell any joke, so maybe that would uh, get maybe bring that would bring the house down. But I suspect that isn't funny to most people because it's simply a statement of truth. So, do you think like yeah. is comedy about truth? And if so, how does that square with surprise? Well, I, th- I think I know what 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 that means. Uh, comedy is about truth, and and, and, uh, and um, but obviously <laughs> that's not enough. Because um, you know, biology is also about truth. History is also about truth. Um, geology, you know, lots of things are about truth. Um, so I think. Um, how, so what do people mean when they say comedy is about truth? Um, they like it when a funny thing is said. That is also true. More than when a funny thing is said that is just a funny thing. Um, so um, I think that's, that just, that's just an expression of, of 
of taste. Uh, Tim Vine is a comedian who does um, pun jokes. Mark Simmons, uh, Darren Walsh, they're comedians that do wordplay jokes. And there's nothing true about what they say. They just say funny jokes. And um, there's no truth in, in, in their comedy. And if you think comedy is about truth, maybe they're not your favourite comedians. Um, so I understand, you know, yeah, uh, the, what's that? The, um, Dave Chappelle um, talks about uh, um, his life um, and, and Jimmy Carr just does jokes. And so people think Dave Chappelle is a better comedian because he does jokes about something that's real. Um, and, and 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 true. I think it's just an expression of uh, what you like. Um, I, 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 you know, it, that's the wonderful thing about comedy. Um, something will make one person laugh, and not another. That's why that's why it's so uh, compelling. I think and mysterious because you, there are shows, there are comedians um, that you don't like, that you don't find funny, and. Uh, thousands of people disagree with you and find them really funny and that's that's really interesting i think i yeah. so yeah comedy is not not exclusively about truth um but you know um, mathematics uh, and physics is <laughs> i've seen i've seen there's this kind of different types of audiences aren't there because i've seen audiences at kind of like i guess what you see a kind of like kind of like late night drunk comedy store audience who will not respond particularly well to joke telling but kind of will go wild for and i'm not it's going to sound like i'm being like derisive about this and i I genuinely don't mean it that way but someone just going up on stage and going do you remember tetris and like people like standing ovation people like crying they're like going yeah Yeah. i remember tetris and and like yeah. yeah And then, like, going, yeah. uh, who, who, who remembers, you know, buying knockoff brand trainers at the market, yeah? And like, everyone's like, woo! And and like, there's not, I'm not read, I'm not, I, I, I but like, but people are laughing, and and, and there's, yeah. maybe there's like a community thing going on there. I don't know that people are just going. Well, you'll see. That happened to yes. me. Yes. Well, what's happening is what's happening. So humour is the release, the, the, a mechanism to release energy, certain kind of energy that comes out as a laugh. And do you remember Tetris? Do you remember the uh, thing that happened in the, before that? S- said in the right context will release something. It'll release a memory. There you go. And that memory is connected to other things and releases certain kinds of I don't know, chemicals, hormones in the brain. But it's all about a release of, of, of energy. So if you're sitting in the present moment and then someone using some language manages to transport you in your mind back two decades, that's some kind of, that, that's some kind of a, a chemical hit. Um, just as d- doing a pun on the word tear because tear has several meanings and it, it, that's also something that the, the, the oh wow 
I thought it was this tear, but it was actually this tear. It, it's 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 switching your perceptions basically, and uh, there are more complicated and sophisticated ways of doing that, um, and some of them can involve telling the truth, but really, comedy is just about switching the perception in a way that gives you a gives you a kick, gives you a, a release. There's there's something there that. A little, a little pop in your in your neural networks, and sometimes all it is is yeah. Do you remember that? And and that's enough. And if enough people also remember that, what a buzz! Oh my god! All these people remember that weird thing that stuck in my brain for ten years. Oh, you know. Can can I ask? For people who, because you know, lots of people listening, you know, are writing, you know, fiction and working on things like that. And I've been guilty in the past of kind of when I've been setting people creative writing exercises, or say, ask them to do it, and then say, just try and avoid the sort of temptation to turn it into a parody or a joke. Because I suppose in the past, sometimes people have, you know, rather than writing a kind of sincere love poem, will kind of write some of it, and then at the end turn it into a parody as a sort of defense mechanism so they can say i'm not being serious it's just a joke but i I, I, and so you know i try and ask you know get people to to take the risk of being sincere but the sort of and i think i've been accused of this and it's completely fair is that can come across like i'm going just don't do comedy because that's for a that's the easy way out um and that's not a real form of writing whereas serious writing is and i don't I don't mean that at all. Um, and I, I, was, I was wondering if you've got any sort of thoughts or advice or just general sort of musings on how, if someone sort of was very intimidated by the idea of being funny or trying to be funny or trying to make something uh, amusing. I know this is very broad, so if it's easier, we can go into a specific example. But how... Because I know you work with... Um, comedians on sort of helping them workshop their jokes and bits and I was wondering how how do you go about trying to make something either funny or funnier yeah well so first thing to say is I, I tr- you know uh, I try not to talk about so one approach is to just not talk about um, uh, funny I, 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 so, I, so I sort of say you know you know what's funny we all know what's funny we all know uh, we've all got a sense of humour. We all, we can all laugh. We can all find things funny. Um, and the reason you're trying to write some jokes now uh, is, isn't an accident. And you know, it's because you've noticed that you often are the funniest one amongst your friends. And you often people say, "Oh, that's really funny." So you're doing the right thing. You know how to be to be funny. Um, so what we, what I think is more useful, is to um, explore a topic, uh, sort of sincerely, and and from really from your sub- subjective point of view. And then, uh, the more you sort of ask yourself questions, the more curious you are about a thing. And you know you're you're aware that you know you're trying to be funny. The more you you will see the funny, the funny will come out. 
so that's that's my first sort of sort of approach is don't try to make something funny um just be curious and yeah by the way you're trying to write some jokes you know you are a comedian you or you're you're trying to write a comic novel okay that's that's the the big the bigger picture here um you've got that in mind you're not going to accidentally um write an economic treatise um so just go and look at things sincerely and, and curiously notice things remember things um and uh and I don't really worry about the mechanics of it yet. So that, that's my first sort of place to start, is that uh, you know once once you've just said I want to write something funny, just leave it at that, and then be curious and explore, and just write, and see what comes up. I, I think like what I often see in people sort of having their first crack at writing something funny uh, for the page um, is that they'll often. They'll often try and they'll, they'll often be kind of like throwing the kind of, I suppose, uh, furniture of comedy at it. You, That's right. At, without necessarily trusting in the situation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think, you know, uh, that's, I think that's what everybody does when they start a thing. Uh, and, and comedy is no different. All, you know, it's like um, I imitated Brian Canton and the bigger boys at my school, you know, that's all you've got is imitation to begin with. Um, and, uh, and so, yes, the very beginning is, is your, is your, you're just recombining ideas that you've already encountered and, and just reimagining situations that have already occurred. That's fine. And that's just a process you have to go to go through, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, but I think um, at some point, um, naturally, people can uh, sort of just just have the confidence, really, to, to 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 not be funny, to not try to be funny, just to leave that all behind, and to just to, just to explore a topic. Um, is this is this is this are we getting into sort of the area of I'm thinking of like kind of classic improv advice and the kind of Keith Johnston style at school of thinking that you're saying you know be that, that actually finding this material paradoxically or maybe just counterintuitively um is is going to best happen if you let go of the pressure to try of trying to be funny yeah, because the the reason you're a comedian or a writer, trying to be funny now uh, over your laptop or, or or whatever, is because you have noticed that in your life, uh, since you were quite good at talking, you make other people laugh and you enjoy making other people laugh. And when you did that, you hadn't planned any of the things that you said that made other people laugh. Okay. It's not how it, it, it worked. You didn't. You didn't write down ten funny ideas, practice them, and then leave the house and wait to deliver them. I hope you didn't before you met you. You met up with your friends. You know, it comes out. The funniest things that have ever happened in people's lives just happen. They are not planned. Kind of like everything. So um, now I'm not saying that you cannot get better. I'm not saying that you cannot learn and improve 
and hone of things deliberately through intentional practice. But what I am saying is you, you can just trust your innate, just, just trust that that's how humour works. You notice it. You don't, you don't create it. You notice it. And the work, if there is any work that comes into it, is in being curious and sincerely questioning and, 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 and sort of um, actually and metaphorically turn, picking something up, turning it upside down, put, holding it up to the light, turning it around again, examining your experience. And, um, and, and, and that, that's not a funny thing to do. That's just a curious human thing to do, to be curious about life. And because you're funny, and because apparently you've said you wanted to write a funny thing, it's probable that you're going to notice the funny side of what you're um, looking at. Can I ask you about... Um, I've got a question about specificity, Trevor. Um, in the board game Monopoly, why is it funny... Why is it funnier that the chance card says you have won second prize in a beauty contest than you have won a beauty contest. Um, and, and you were talking about names mm. of fish as well, and I suppose that's a kind of classic, you know, what's the funniest fish? Why is yeah. why is uh, dace funnier than um, uh, fish? Uh, why is Shrek 3 funnier than a movie? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think you know you'd have to speak to a, a neuroscientist to get the answer, but my answer would be um, you have won. Normally, you know, nine times out of ten, when you have won, you have won. Um, so when you have won second prize, it's a switcheroony in itself. You know, it, 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 it's, it's like one of my garden path bits. You know, you have won second, so you haven't won basically. You know, um, and then uh, beauty. Um, you have won second prize in the lottery. Well, that's that's not funny. That's that's just pretty good. Um, but you have won second prize in a beauty contest. It it, it, it it's it's nice because uh, you know we're we're very vain. We're very uh, preoccupied and worried about our looks. That's what it's like to be a, a hairless, largely hairless mammal on a planet. You're you're really self conscious about your looks. Um, so I think that explains the, the, the Monopoly one and I think a bass or a bass is uh, you, you pronounced it but a bass I think the fish is called a bass oh no I, I, I said bass, I, I said dace uh, dace a dace good god a dace well you see a dace is um, I think that's a sound we don't hear very often so we hear the, the sound fish every day um, you know sometimes twice a day but dace, when was the last time you even said that? Um, I used to say it quite a lot because there were a lot of dace in the river that I fished in when I was a kid. But um, I can't remember the last time I said the word dace. So I think it's a nice thing. Um, it's possibly a word um, that people have only ever read, that they've never said out loud. So it's a surprise to the brain. It's either the first time it's heard that sound or it's a long time since it heard that sound. So I, I, I'd say uh, dace is better than fish just because of the surprise factor. Um, Shrek 3 um, is 
Now, why is that funnier than what was it? Well, stretch, I just basically I, I said, why than... is it funnier? To, I, I suppose it's like why is it funnier to name a movie than just say I was watching a, a movie, and and why yeah. is it why is it funnier to name a sequel than I I, well, I mean you can disagree if you want, but I always think like saying Shrek three is funnier than saying I was watching Shrek, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I again, I, I just think it, it, the, the the Shrek, the the it's like uh, the Shrek button in the brain has been pressed too many times, and so this uh, this isn't good neuroscience, but this is a metaphor. So the the, the serotonin kick or the dopamine kick you it's get probably it's probably it's Shrek probably a dopamine kick actually. Dopamine is what is involved okay. in um, is, uh, apart from other things implicated in prediction errors. So where we set up, we th- where we are expecting something, and then something different happens. Um, you get right. a little kick of dopamine, or if it's an okay. unpleasant thing, a down regulation of dopamine, a phasic dip in dopamine. Um, to rem- to make you go, oh, this is different to my model of the world. Remember that. Well, there you go. So that's the answer then. So so Shrek, if I say Shrek, there's a minimal dopamine response. But if I say Shrek, and then immediately say the the noise three, I've I've surprised you because you thought we done. You thought we were done with Shrek. <laughs> I was watching Shrek, and you thought, oh god. No, not again. I've heard that word so many times. And then I say Shrek 3. It's like, oh, what a, what a pleasant surprise. He was watching. I think that's it. I think it's, it's, it's as simple as that. That's really... <laughs> See, this is what I, re- this is, I really... I, I, this, is, I, this is what I really like talking about comedy. Because there's all sorts of, like, deeply philosophical kind of explanations about how oh, we enjoy comedy because it briefly distracts us from the sort of knowledge of death. That's kind of like terror management theory that we're constantly trying to not remember that we're mortal creatures doomed to uh, uh, rot down into the uh, soil and lose everything that we care about. And, and, and comedy <laughs> briefly distracts us from that. But I really enjoy the idea that... Um, there's just like a little bit of our brain or or that just likes novelty or being surprised that's, that's, yeah that's what it is it's it, it it's being wrong-footed it's it, it's it's having two things that are contradictory that the, the, the brain has to sort of quickly readjust it's it, it's the thrill of having to readjust your your model you know and that's what we do all the time. We are making a model of our reality. We, we, that's what happens every day. And when something interrupts that, it often makes us laugh. Um, and a joke is, is, is a version of that. You, know, you, 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 you laugh when, when the cat misses um, the, the table, the countertop. You, 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 you laugh... Um, uh, when the dog goes round and round in circles, um, because it's not what you're expecting, and uh, you've made a model of what should happen, and it doesn't happen. But the dogs should only uh, manoeuvre in straight lines or turn at right angles. Uh, as soon as as soon as that dog starts circling, you're like, this is, this is, this is not <laughs> something's gone wrong. I really, I really love like this idea. 
I, I love this idea of it updating our model of the world and that that being somehow pleasurable or nice. It sort of explains why these surprises aren't just unpleasant. You know, we're not someone doesn't tell a joke and you're not you're telling a garden path sentence and. I, 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 I don't, you know, people don't react affronted. They're not like, oh, well, I thought you were telling me a serious story, Trevor, and now, yeah, and now it's yeah, just, yeah, and now it's just yeah. frivolous. I don't, I can't believe you. Yeah. I have, like, it's pleasurable, right? And I wonder, I wonder if you could just reflect on why, why, because I've heard you say before that you think like comedy, having a kind of comedy outlook on the world can make you happier. Um, being able to see two things, something in two ways, and I wondered if you could talk about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, so so I, I think basically what what it, the, yeah, what I mean by that is, um, when you suffer, when 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 we're, when we're unhappy, when I'm unhappy, um, it's because I see the world uh, in a way, and I cannot see an alternative to the way I see the world. Now, if 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 that way makes me happy there's no problem but if that way uh, if I'm suffering because of, of what I think about the world then it is a problem and it's also an unnecessary problem because comedy teaches us I mean life really teaches us if we're paying attention that we are always making provisional provisional models of reality that are always proved wrong and when we suffer we just get stuck it's like we're stuck in a frame of a movie that the, the projector's stuck on that frame and you can't get out of it. And this is how life is. This is who I am. And it's not good. And it's never going to change. And that's a mistake. It is a mistake. You don't know it's a mistake when, when you're in that moment. Um, and I think, you know, comedy is, is based on the fact that there is no one way of seeing the world that's how it works if there was only one way of seeing the world you couldn't have a punchline because it wouldn't make sense the punchline shows that oh yeah actually we were talking about this meaning of the word tear oh oh that oh, okay so we the person who was love in love with wasn't his wife oh so yeah so that's 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 my theory my theory is when you suffer You've just mistaken your perceptions for the truth. And when you laugh, it's because you are reminded that your perceptions are never the truth. At best, they're a truth. And uh, when people say comedy is truth, maybe one way in which that is true is that it, in broad, on its broadest terms, comedy shows us the truth that every point of view is provisional. Oh, I, I, that's. I, I think that's really nice as well because that sort of expands out into. I my uh, my friend, the poet and performer and podcast maker Ross Sutherland, has sort of talked about how comedy being, be comedy being a, a sort of technique, not a genre, like that you can that that it, that that it are. Uh, of course, it is, you know, a genre when you're doing stand up and stuff, but also that you can take all these things and you can that really no story, I suppose, or no piece of art, you know, is, is comedy free. There, there, there should be kind of humorous possibilities and points in yeah. any kind of art. Right. Right. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And then the, yeah. the and the, the this kind of like a way it has of kind of crowbarring open um, our minds really and our willingness to see other points of view and our willingness to I guess you know from what you're saying it sort of sounds like it almost opens us to the possibility of learning and growth which is kind of amazing well, right yeah. well it is it does do that because because i think you know one of the ways that you're able to laugh at something something one of the ways that you get a joke is is because you have to you know something has to happen some some connection some unexpected connection has to occur in your brain chemistry in your perception you know you, you have to you have to make an unexpected association connection relation between two ideas that's that's what has to happen in order for you to to laugh and um and that's why you know people people say it, it is healthy for, for, for many reasons yes it releases pent-up energy it's good for the facial muscles um it makes you relax uh it's good for the heart but I think it is good for the brain because, you know, whether you're aware of it or not, you're um, increasing your capacity uh, to uh, comprehend different points of view, different perspectives. I, I think, uh... and uh, that's the key to, 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 to suffering. The key to suffering is to uh, only have one perspective and try to hold on to it at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's really. I mean, that's really. That's really. You know, you're echoing what a lot of the kind of like third wave CBT cognitive therapies like to you know like act talk about they you know they really emphasize how the importance of cognitive flexibility and being able to see things from so it that's you know what you're what you've come to through comedies is really in line with the latest you know best evidenced therapies i thought you might be interested in um uh there's this quote from the writer steve aylett who i suppose is a kind of comic writer certainly a satire writer of satire but like in his uh book which i think you may you may have even read yourself heart of the original he has this line about um i was doing a story about a childhood visit to the circus and wrote they pounced two clowns holding me by the arms while a fourth beat the bejesus out of me i found this mistake of the missing third clown very funny but didn't know why when the mind has to jump a gap, the spark it fires can tickle the brain's surface or ignite unused pathways, depending on the guidelines placed on either side. That sounds quite, mm. you know, that, that, that sounds like it's speaking to the same thing you were talking about, how... Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, it really does. That, yeah. Su- that, yeah. that thing of, like, a comedy being about surprise and giving us a sense of growth. Um yeah, and, and just getting just just you know, and, and, and in order to be surprised, you have to accept. Oh, there's a, there was a different thing happening all along, um, and um, and and that that that's the essence of, of of a joke. The premise leads you to think, oh, this is what the story is about, and the punchline shows you, well, actually, there was another thing happening all along, and um, and, and and that's. That's very useful. Um, if 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 I you know I mean I, I notice I mean I'm I'm you know I'm I know I notice how I get sad <laughs> uh, when I when I am sad it's when I am in an inflex I have an inflexible point of view on myself or the world or life, um, and uh, yeah so I think uh, yeah yeah I that's thank you so much for um, chatting to me today. Trevor that's really um, really really pleasure. cool and um, I feel like 
I feel like it I sort of I wasn't expecting it to get that profound but that's really exciting and I feel like I, I've learned quite a lot um if I I, I don't know um I realize um given the uh current circumstances um there aren't many uh uh live gigs going on at the moment but um if people uh want to well presuming you want to be found online um if people want to um find uh, more of you or your work um where should they go well, I'm, I'm doing a thing called Joke Hospital at the minute, which is for people who want to um, make their material better. Um, it's not. And, it's not. Uh, it's not just a fake hospital. To be clear, it's about helping people with jokes, not a hospital where people rush to A and E um, seeking no. treatment, and then it's like, no, nah, this is this is not a real hospital. Pranked you. <laughs> Thankfully, we haven't had that horrific mix-up. No, it, it just takes place online, and. Um, and people have so far not come with any physical injuries, um, so um, yeah, it's just it's just a place where we. Uh, it's really fun. I really I really like it. But people come, mainly comedians, come along with jokes, bits, and uh, we find ways of making them better. Um, I'm also uh, going to be launching a, a workshop called How to Be Unhappy, and and I'll be sharing strategies for misery because I'm. I'm um, which I think we probably alluded to earlier, um, but you can yeah uh, Facebook Trevorlock dot co is my website. I'm on Instagram the Trevorlock, and I'll, I'll put I'll put uh, all these links also in the show notes of today's episode. Yeah. So um, if people yeah. there'll be uh, people can click through there if they want to um, find them as well. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Trevor. Um, and uh, absolute pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers very much. And everybody listening, uh, thanks very much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.